Hello, welcome back to the Y Comics Podcast, where we talk about comics that impact us and sometimes appear behind them. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is a returning guest that I always appreciate being able to talk to. Currently, he's writing King Grimlock, uh, The Dark Cold Alpha and Omega. The Omega is coming out soon. Rainbow Bridge just came out recently from Aftershock. Uh, is it the kids line? Youth line? Uh, young adult yeah, line? Uh, the, the young adult line, Seismic Press. We kick it off uh, with Rainbow Bridge. Yeah, and Party and Prey, both written with Steve Fox. And coming soon, he will be the new writer of Marauders at Marvel. It's Steve Orlando. What's up, man? It's good to be back. Uh, Just to kind of start off, I love that I got both uh, Rainbow Bridge and Party and Prey this year. And I was reading both of them. And I'm like, these are very different books. And they're written by the same people. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, that, that's what we try to offer. We, you know, I try to not uh, ever repeat myself and uh, that goes as well for working with people. So, you know, those are two sides of my personality and Fox's personality, but yeah, the fact that they came out within two months of each other uh, is pretty entertaining to me because those books had different tales because of the different page lengths. But when we found out that they were going to all be hitting in the fall, it was sort of entertaining. Like here, kids, look at this. And then, you know, something for your, for your parents when they're alone. Uh, with, you know, it's a, it's a good fit. With Rainbow Bridge, was it a challenge at all for you with that? Because I think that's the most family friendly thing I think I've ever read of yours so far. Uh, it it well, it was a challenge, but that's why I did it. You know, I had done one young adult thing before, which is out now called the the Kitchen Witch, uh, with two and five ink. We just remastered that and released it this year. Uh, and at the same time, when I did that, I know that I broke some of the quote unquote rules of young adults. I'd never done it before. So I wanted and I wanted to try again. I wanted to sort of take what I think I bring to the bring to the room and also work with someone who knows how to hit it right in the strike zone when it comes to middle grade or young adults. So that's how we got together with Fox on this book. Uh, he is a longtime friend of mine, but also a former young adult editor at Random House. So if I was going to ever have someone to temper my darkest inclinations uh into a book that is for everyone it was always going to be steve he's already used to doing that in a social sense nearly every day uh so it was it was a good fit and then yeah we're also both i mean everybody knows i like a little bit of ultraviolence and he's a big horror guy so pivoting to party and pray uh was a really fun opportunity once it once it hit our plate with rainbow bridge where did you kind of pull the idea from because i know um with a lot of like uh kill a man and uh uh party and pray you can kind of see real world i know like especially with kill a man but with party and pray you can see real world kind of things that are happening around us that like okay this is where steve and uh and phil philip and uh steve also like kind of grab grab these ideas but rainbow bridge is such a it's such a different kind of tale even though it is about losing something in someone close to you and kind of like fighting for that it's still very different in a lot of ways yeah, I mean, it's something that was very close to, to my heart and Fox's heart. We're both we're both dog owners, uh, and and Fox uh, Fox's parents tend to also uh, adopt senior animals uh, where he grew up. So I knew especially that he had a lot of opinions about this. Uh, and when with me, it was just about creating a new world and creating a new story. You know, uh, we we talk to each other all the time, uh, much perhaps to the malignment of our boyfriends, but we do. And I just send him random ideas. And this started off as just what if the Rainbow Bridge was the Bifrost, uh, you know, because we are both still Cape fans as well. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we didn't know if it was going to lean towards the style that it ended up being or if it was going to be more like a never ending story, sort of dark fantasy type thing. And it could have gone either way until we found Valentina Brancati. And when we saw this 
style, when we saw that we could basically do a Disney movie on the page, we knew exactly how we wanted to tell the story. We knew the story we wanted to tell, but when we pitched it to um, our friends at Aftershock, we hadn't really locked down what lens we were going to throw in it, but once Valentina came to the picture, it was obvious uh, what way we were, we were going to go. And for the writing of both this and Party and Prey, how did you guys divide that up? Because I know with uh, Killing Man, we talked about how you and Philip, you kind of hit the more emotional stuff and Philip did more of the fighting things because those are like the, the areas you felt comfortable in, but you still collabed on uh, both seeing like, hey, this didn't work, this didn't work. You should try this, you should try that. Well, yeah. So with part with with Rainbow Bridge and Party Prayer, they actually work differently because I of the needs of the project. Uh, I was not was not used to scripting. Um, I was not used to scripting young adult uh, style storytelling. You know, the lower we tend to keep the, the panel counts lower, mm-hmm. we tend to keep the dialogue a little less. So we on on Rainbow Bridge, Fox was leading on the plotting and paneling, and I would take a pass on dialogue. And then the reverse was the case on Party and Pray. I have obviously spent my career doing a ton of action uh, and action storytelling. So with something that had a little more violence and, and action beat blocking, we did the reverse. Yeah, Fox would lead on dialogue after I had done an initial pass on plotting and paneling. And of course, in both those cases, you know, we're always free to polish and rework stuff that the other persons did. Don't I was really, uh, yeah, I was... Uh... I was really, uh, I guess shocked isn't the right word because I knew I was getting into, but when I opened up Party and Pray and started reading it and like the story actually started like unfolding in front of me in that I was so like taken aback. I'm like, this is the, the I knew the 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 pitch because I read your post about the pitch and stuff. I'm like, this is a di- whole different other direction and way darker than I expected this to go. Well, you know, I mean, we, I, I try to always, I, do different things and expand storytelling into new genres, both for myself and both when it comes to representation. It's no secret that I do a lot of queer work, but it's not the only thing I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I do do it, um, I don't want to, I don't want to repeat myself. You know, I don't want to yeah. tell the same type of stories again. I want to, and I want to give every genre has its fans. So I want to, I also like, it's not just about me. Like I think I want to do uh, and own new types of stories uh, within the community when it comes to my sort of queer focus work. I don't want to just keep doing superheroes, though I'm sure I'll do more. Um, you know, we we wanted to do this big sort of uh, ode to 80 slasher uh, style stories and suspense uh, stories because it's not something we'd, re- we'd really seen. Uh, you know, there are some out there, by the way, uh, Knife in the Heart, for example, uh, but we wanted to do our spin on them. And uh, that's kind of always the North Star for me. What haven't I done? What haven't I done? What can new can be said? And where can we uh, sort of explore um, these types of themes that maybe a, a, a readership hasn't seen them before? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the same thing, by the way, with Killer Man. I was like, oh, we need, we need, you know, I, I would have wanted a, a, an LGBTQ plus sports book as a kid. So I'm not going to wait for someone else to do it. I'm just going to do it. Uh, and that's usually how almost all my originals start. And uh, for, I know with a lot of uh, writers, especially some of the writers are more vocal about the writing processes and stuff now, a lot of them like really sit down in marathon media to kind of like get them in the mood and the headspace for the things they're about to do. Do you do that with any of your projects or is it kind of just like, you're there, you're already there, you're ready to go, you know exactly the tones you're going for? Well, the secret of me, there's always something on in the background because I started to write, like my first books when I was like, 
well, not my first books, because I wrote my first books when I was like 12, but my first scripts that were really something were written in the back of a Denny's uh, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, because that's just where I would stay up all night writing. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a very hard time focusing uh, if there's if it's complete silence in the house, which is funny because Fox is the exact opposite way. He would lock himself in like an O3 Daredevil style sensory deprivation tank and dictate his scripts if he could. Uh, but... So there's always something on in the background and it usually does affect the tone that I'm going for of uh, of whatever I'm working on, you know, whether it's whether it's the you know things like the fighter or warrior and when I was working on kill a man, um, of course, Creed um, or more horror focused things for uh for for party and prey or the, the sort of broader like Pixar style animation. For Rainbow Bridge, uh, you know, or or take your pick of anything else. Like it's one yeah. of the reasons I'm. It's one of the reasons these days, pardon me, that I'm constantly looping X Men '92 uh, because <laughs> here I am uh, just trying to get that feel in my head for Marauders. So there's always something on, and if you, even if it's not a direct antecedent to what I'm working on, it is. It feels like it. You know, it fills the room with the tone, because that's always been. Um, what I personally need. Maybe I have an overactive imagination. And I need something to distract part of it. Uh, who knows? But that's always been what works for me. Um, kind of talking about your Marvel stuff. Uh, I know when we first talked way back, uh, I think it was last year, um, you you told me that like after, off the air, like you were doing the Darkhold. And I'm like, oh, that's exciting. That's going to be fun. And then we talked the second time. You're like, yeah, I don't know when Darkhold's ever coming out, if it's coming out. And now like I have a copy of Darkhold like and I read it and it's fantastic and how great does it feel to just finally have that out and everybody kind of love it it's great and the second the the Omega issue is going to print if not if not has gone to print today uh because I've sort of been sticking sticking my head down and working on stuff uh but no it's wonderful I mean I, I I love the journey we have for Wanda and Doom uh in that book and I think that Kean's Darkhold Kean Tormey uh, my collaborator on that um his Darkhold Defiled Designs are just so cool. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love the like. I love the Spider Man and Wasp especially. Although uh, I, I really, I really love them all. I could point out things I love about all of them. I love the, the the gross like meaty Iron Man with his like Tetsuo flesh. Yeah, pushing through his body. Um, like the the black bolt that's like restraining himself. Uh, it, it's also good. And, and the blade sort of unleashed to to. To the extent that he has to be in a world uh, where where vampires are the dominant species, as you've seen in that one shot, mm -hmm. I love them all. And you folks haven't even seen Kean's designs for the character that's debuting in our in our Omega issue, or uh, the 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 current look for Kathan, which is super super cool. So it's a gorgeous issue. I think Kean was born to draw like magic showdowns and displays of power, uh, and there is so much of that coming in the Omega. So I. Um, I'm I'm very excited to get it out there finally, right? Because I feel like yeah. I've been talking about it. I feel like I've been talking about it forever. With uh, these kind of capsule events that have the tie-ins all written by different people, do you have the the idea of what these tie-ins are yourself? And then you're like, here's here's the Iron Man's this weird like the the machine kind of takes over thing. You now write that, or do they come up to them like, hey, does this work with what you're doing? And you're like, yeah, let's do this. Like, how does the, these capsule events kind of work? I mean, every version of what you just said can happen. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. You know, like to be to be honest, um, you know, with Milk Wars, which was the first one of these types of things I did, Gerard and I did have sort of top line ideas 
for what might be going on, like like for who Father Bruce might be, for who Wonder mm -hmm. Wife and Milkman Man might be, for example. Um, but they were just like log lines. And then we would bring in the people that were going to be writing them and say, you know, go wild. Like, here's where you start. Here's where you end. The middle is up to you. Um, but something like Darkhold, uh, it's my pleasure to say that I really don't uh, have a lot of oversight on them because I the, the, the prompt was so broad that it was really just my excitement to let folks uh, go wild or to have not even let have folks go wild and then and see see where things end up like you know we knew what they were going to look like in omega and alpha but really the only mandate was to tell you know the story of, of of versions of these characters who've been driven to insanity you know just knowing tell the story that they would have seen reflected in the dark hold and that could mm -hmm. be any you know it could it could it could really be anything so um, it was my pleasure to sort of step back and just see how these amazing one shots came in, knowing that they were going to broadly be these horror based uh, visions of these characters. And I really think that everybody delivered uh, amazing, amazing work. Shout out especially to Ryan North uh, and 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 Jordi Belair, uh, both. Um, I mean, all the one shots are great, but those two came immediately new, like pinpoint exactly what those books are going to be. And, and I think that they're stellar, but they're all great. I mean, I love Daniel's work with Blade. Um, you know, the Alec uh, Pactodel on Spider-Man, that one's not out yet, but it's, it's, it's extremely eerie. Uh, and, you know, anytime I can work with Mark Russell, he and I are friends from back in the day at DC. I, I didn't even have to look. I knew that that script was going to be wild and amazing and, and idiosyncratic, but that's, that's Mark. And that's why I think he's one of the best writers working today. Yeah. Mark, Mark is pretty fantastic. I, I very excited for one star squadron to see, uh, what kind of comedy shenanigans going there. Um, oh, um, for you though like it seems like horror has been kind of a circle you've been dancing in a lot recently is that something that happened kind of by accident or were you just feeling kind of spooky and you wanted to get that onto comics well i mean to be honest some of it is by accident because Darkhold was supposed to be out like a year and a half ago so it mm -hmm. feels it feels more like it is but some of it is by design because you know i i we knew party prayer was coming out we knew and and i've been working on this takeover of heavy, heavy metal with the belay brothers for a long long time so um it's 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 not an accident i mean this is spooky season and i want to get in on the on the action uh but the funny thing is a lot of these were long gestating projects that we just decided that now was the right time that's something i uh completely forgot about until you just brought up the taking over heavy metal with the belay brothers how how exciting is that I mean, that to me, when I saw them, like, this is a huge deal. If, like, no one is talking about this. Uh, I mean, it's great. The, the Boulets are huge comic fans. Uh, you know, they, they have a long history within the industry. Uh, you know, obviously, after they came from space and before they had their show. Yeah. Um, and they're great to work with. I think our attitude on creative stuff is very similar. They've definitely sort of torn their place from the flesh of the drag industry community and i often feel like i'm doing that myself in comics too so we kind of hit it off right away like probably two years ago at this point and we were searching for what the right collaboration would be uh, and when i started doing star wars and heavy metal uh with yvonne chevron uh, I, I just knew that this would be the place to kick off our collaboration and if all goes well this will not be the last time that the blaze and i work together oh that's exciting and with you in wrestling, is there anything maybe on the horizon with you working with some of your favorite wrestlers on collaborations? Because I know I saw some of those variants for Commanders in Crisis that were pretty brilliant. I'm like, ah, oh, I could see Steve writing his character in a comic. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, though. Um, what is his name? Uh, the Dan Housen cover? Yeah, that one. 
Uh, well, Dan Housen joined the Heavy Metal Takeover actually, and, and, oh, and okay. that, was, that was a cover boy for the uh, for Heavy Metal Housen. So we were very proud to have him. Happy to have him. Um, and you know, I think as long as I keep plying him with pictures of Doctor Doom in uh, text message, we'll continue to work together. Hopefully. Um, and for anyone listening who is a fan of Dan Housen, go hunt down his his GoFundMe right now because he broke his leg in two places and could mm-hmm. definitely use your support. Um, as for me and other wrestlers that I'm a fan of and love, well, I would actually say stay tuned because there is at least one unannounced project that is going to really surprise everyone. And that news is probably going to be out. Not probably, will be out in the next three months. So I can't really talk about it yet because we're still finishing up contracts and getting everything going. But when you see what it is, it, there could not be a more perfect fit. And it's something I sort of pitched as a blue sky idea. And, and, we, and, and, and we're bringing it home now. So there will be at least one other collab. None of you expect it. Uh, you know, Jesse, when we get off the air, if you guess it, I'll send you $100 because you're not going to guess it. So I, um, I don't even think I know enough wrestlers to be able to guess the one that this is. Off the but, but that said, it's just like, it is like shoe, it is like foot, glass slipper, Cinderella. of the Yeah. Ocean, uh, and I'm very excited. That was a tortured metaphor, but there you go. It is kind of fun though, because as someone who like has been always been fascinated by wrestling, but I've been so on the outskirts, I noticed lately it's been harder and harder for me to penetrate fan bases. Like I like I want to jump into something as like where do I start on anything lately? Wrestling is one of those things where that they're starting to be more prominent in comics too, with like the recent New Day comic that Boom put out and stuff. Like, and I picked that up. I'm like, oh, well, this is way easier for me to digest because I know how comics read. I know how they work. I know how this works. So seeing hearing more creators teaming up with wrestlers and things like this like the um team with drag stars or teaming up with anything that's in uh communities that i'm really interested in and i really want to know more of comics are like the perfect uh fusion for me to like kind of break through and it's really fun and uh, exciting to hear you working with more of that yeah and like i said this specific thing like i am i am like on that, on whatever number cloud you would like uh, to be doing this. So I can't wait for folks to find out. I'm going to be running my mouth about it incessantly once the news is out, but we're not there yet. So stay tuned. Uh, the biggest book I know everybody wants to hear me talk to you about is uh, King Grimlock. Um, and uh, I've been very much enjoying uh, your King Grimlock miniseries. Uh, what's been the most fun this time around writing somebody like that? Because it's it's not Optimus. It's not Starscream. It's not anybody that like, it has high regard, but not like the people like think talks well or are of high class. It's it's Kim Grimlock. He's a, a bullheaded man that runs through things. Well, but I think I mean, first of all, when you say it like that, is that not the prototypical Orlando protagonist? You know, fair, so, <laughs> fair, uh, fair. So I think that it's 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 been really fun. It made a lot of sense. Actually, you know, the thing about King Grimlock is similar to what I was just talking about with this unannounced project. Is I was talking to the folks at IDW and. Uh, there was something else coming up that just wasn't specifically the right fit for me. Uh, and at the time they were like, well, what would you do if you could do anything? And so I pitched this and I was like, they'll never go for this. Like Grimlock the Barbarian, no way. Um, but they were very excited and very supportive of it. And they have been since then, you know, like pretty much nothing has been off limits. Uh, we're doing like a, a real like meaty, grisly Barbarian story. Uh, and, and I'm super, super proud of it. Augustine Padilla has done amazing work on the interiors. Our cover game is like off the chain. Mm-hmm. That's like, real good. Uh, and especially happy as well to feature my friend Paul Harding uh, on a cover. Uh, and again, just one of those things like it makes sense. Uh, he is a 
sculptor for Hasbro and DC Direct. He makes statues and action figures, but also does 3D art. So why would you not have him, you know, to be able to feature him on this, on, on a cover for a comic about one of the most iconic toys in history? Uh, super, super exciting to me. And, you know, that is Grimlock, but what I love about it is that he's, he, I think much like, I mean, you know, much like the Hulk, I think people assume he's kind of uh, a big dumb fool because mm-hmm. of the way he talks, but there actually is a lot going on behind there. And that's something that we've been picking up on or hopefully trying to get across in the series. I know people ask me if it was going to be the quote unquote dumbest rocks cartoon version or the more eloquent, uh, you know, comics version. And the answer is it's both. Mm-hmm. It's not dumb, but I, I think there's also uh, charm in keeping the Grimlock speak and having him say more, you know, in, engage in more complicated topics while doing that. I mean, I got to do my version of Conan talking about Crom in issue two when uh, when Grimlock is talking about Necrobot and it's maybe the happiest I was that month uh, working on comics, getting to write that. So um, I've been super happy with it and IDW has been incredibly supportive along with Hasbro and things are just going to keep getting more and more explosive and blockbuster in that book. So I can't wait for you guys to see it. I, I think King Grimlock is a really nice showcase of something that I think you excel at more than a lot of writers I see, which when you're trying to pull emotions in comics, some people just kind of fully open it up in a very easy way and like you don't have to work for it, where King Grimlock really shows you showing these really hard characters or these really closed off characters and you grab a crowbar and you you try really hard to pull back a little bit and every issue you're, you're just getting a little bit more off. And instead of just laying it out there for the reader to get right away and be like, okay, now I understand this character fully. You're like, no, you have to kind of work in this book to see everything. And every issue you feel more and more accomplished because you're getting more and more of this, not softness, but this more sensitive side or more uh, with King Irma, like himself, like a more thoughtful side that you don't get in that first issue. That first issue is very blockheadish, or that second issue, he's way more like slow down and kind of talk it out a bit. Well, and you know, that's how people learn. In, in Grimlock's case, he gets he gets the pneumonia and it's hard for him to identify with the plight of humans. He has no sort of, he has no uh, place to, gra- to grab onto. Uh, you know, he has, no, he has no purchase on that emotional uh, argument. But then when he starts to see the woodbots, you know, well, then it looks like the evil in Manonia is almost, you know, uh, affecting people that are like him. And that's his way in, you know, he, he can't, it's, it's easier for him to look at someone and turn away when they're quote dehumanized. They are literally human, but he's not human, you know, so yeah. they're, they're de-autobotized. Um, but then he sees abuses of people who are like him through a mirror darkly and it's harder for him to turn away. And then once that happens, you know, his actions in the first issue uh, seem different to him uh, and he begins to reevaluate them. He doesn't even know he's really, what he's angry about at first. He thinks he's just angry about what's been done to the woodbots. But as things progress, he really realizes that no, like his his, his simplistic view of the world uh, it, it can't remain that simple anymore, and, and that's where we're going in the past few, in the in the final few issues. Uh, since last time we talked, Commanders in Crisis finally wrapped up, and it was great, and like it was really I think accomplished what you were going for with basically throwing every cape idea into a book, but also telling a really thoughtful story that like put every cape idea on its edge and on its uh, hind legs a bit. Um, how do you feel at the end of it? Because I know this is like that first real big passion project push that we talked about way back when. 
I mean, listen, I, I, I would have liked a couple more people to, uh, to buy it, uh, but that, that is the way things go. But at the end of the day, I'm also okay with that because this is exactly the book that I wanted to tell. And, I, and sometimes that comes with a narrowing of your demographic. I, I, you know, the, you know uh, most of the people I look up to, uh, both in comics and in greater creative fields, I realize, you know, are, are folks that have a really stick to their vision. And yeah, sometimes it's not the most commercial thing, but that's okay because they want to say exactly what they want to say. And I'm extremely proud of what we say in Commanders in Crisis when it comes to power, when it comes to how to actually make change and build a path forward and not uh, accepting that there are easy comic book style answers, you know, mm -hmm. they aren't in real life. And I guess what I'm saying is when your idol is Werner Herzog, someone who's never had outside funding ever in his entire, like almost 80 years, you kind of got to accept that sometimes you're going to do things that are a little left of the strike zone. Um, but I truly value the people for whom it's connected with because it is, it's, it's me and all of its strangeness and its messiness. Uh, if you know me as a person, I'm strange and messy. Uh, but at the same time, um, I love what it has to say. I love those characters. And I hope to be able to come back someday. It wouldn't be called Commanders in Crisis because this was the, you know, this was the event launch of this universe. But yeah. there are people that I would love to explore more there. I'd love to do more with her. I'd love to do a Vertigo style book with Originator. I'd love to do something that is more uh, classic me for my Midnighter and and uh, and Killerman readers with Prize Fighter. Um, but I think in time we'll definitely slip back. And I'd love to, to explore like other timeline or other periods of time in this world too. I have like an Aquaman meets Beowulf story that I want to do. Uh, and who knows, like we might down the road end up returning and telling this epic fantasy that fits into the Commanders in Crisis world. But again, you know, in the same way that not, you know, not every book that DC publishes is directly connected. Uh, the connections might be a little softer and on the periphery. Yeah, I, and talking about the world, it's so big. You like packed such a massive world into 12 issues that is, it is overwhelming. So I wonder like if that maybe was a challenge for some people because there's so many cool characters that you don't get so much time with, but you get enough time with them that I'd be like, I will pick up any mini or like 12 issue maxi series with these characters in this world because they're, they are such well-designed and, and like thoughtful characters that you don't get to spend enough time with. Well, that was the hope, you know, like, and I know it's not for everyone, which is okay, but we really wanted to do, uh, I would say, either like a, a Silver Age, like Gardner Fox style storytelling, where a ton is happening at every issue, but also a Marv Wolfman and Perez style storytelling. You know, the mm -hmm. biggest thing on this book is um, not modern events, but Crisis and Infinite Earths, where sometimes you do only get like a flash, essentially like narrative teaser trailer of a character. I'm thinking of like Yolanda Montez, who's in like three panels, but then she's there, you know, or even mm -hmm. the debut of Jaime Reyes in an infinite crisis. Um, so we wanted, you know, I wanted to evoke that. And now that those folks are there, yeah, I'd love to go back and explore some people. I mean, uh, Dusk and Dawn, uh, you know, if I ever wanted to do a no rules Midnight and Apollo book, like that's how we would do it. They're there, uh, they're on the page and, and now we can return and, and put a lens on whoever we want, which is uh, very exciting whenever we do. I don't know when it will be because man, I got a lot of ideas and the ones that are coming up are gonna surprise you, but I, I, I'm sure I'll be back uh, soon enough. Um, so now the, the, the big, big uh, thing I think people will want to hear is about Marauders. This is so, so exciting. <laughs> Would you finally be able to tackle the X-Men, like a big X-Men team? And it feels like, I don't know exactly if this is your perfect X-Men team, but it feels like it probably is really close. Well, when you see the eighth member, you're sure as hell think it's my perfect X-Men team. I'll tell you that. Um, 
it's uh it's been super fun and you know like disaster relief is something I do in real life uh, for folks who don't know, like I, I, I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Jose Andres and I, and, I've, and I helped him in Panama City after Florida was hit by a hurricane a couple of years ago. So to do a mutant rescue team uh, was like they were serving me up, you know, you know, I remember when Mark Wade said that he would write Fantastic Four for a dollar like 20 years ago. And essentially that's how I felt, although I will gladly take my full rate because, uh, you know, on principle, uh, but like of course I would love to do a rescue book because it's, it's, it's something that I is I'm passionate about in real life. And the chance to do that with this cast. Uh, yeah. There's like, I mean, everyone is fun. Everyone is different. And it is like my, the type of cast I love. You have big hitters like Hey pride, like Bishop, you have new characters like Somnus. Uh, you have people, I mean, me and Dakin match made in heaven, myself and Akihiro. Uh, and I love uh, the relationship he has with Aurora. So to be able to bring her on was awesome as well. Uh, and then you have folks like Psylocke, who is trying to reestablish herself, uh, having come back into her correct body in the relatively recent future, comics mm -hmm. time, uh, while still being an icon and having such a cool personality, such a cool power set. Um, and then you have Tempo, who like I loved uh, in, in my trading card youth because she just looks cool as hell. Uh, I happen to love time uh, chronokinetic powers and Jerry did such a good job getting her in the door. And now it's time for folks to really sort of see her develop and become more confident. Uh, the whole team is fantastic. And the mission they have, the mystery that kicks it off is going to be foundational for the Krakowin era, uh, as you'll see over the course of the first 10 issues. So I can't believe they're letting me build this much. It's very exciting, although I really should be able to believe it because uh, Hickman and Jerry and everyone involved in the X-Men office has been incredibly welcoming. Uh, shout out as well to Victor Laval and Vita, especially, who've been keeping me honest and making my stuff great. Uh, but it's really, like it, it's easily one of the most exciting moments uh, that, that I've been part of this whole thing with Marauders. And as I said, like the eighth member is, is uh, it'll make sense for a lot of people when they're revealed and that's gonna be sooner than you think, probably before the end of the year, I'd keep your eye on the last issue of Jerry's run um but it's it's just been a wild ride it's got something for fans of almost every era whether you're a fan of the 80s and 90s uh whether you're a fan of the morrison era uh, especially obviously if you're a fan of the current era uh and as to the future uh it, it's going to be building stuff that we've never seen before from mutants it's going to be really hard to put back in the box and that's the type of stuff i like with uh but when you're pulling characters from other books in the recent like reign of x line and stuff how much of the their previous recent storylines are you going to be playing with in this because i know like you said Sal, like getting her body back and stuff that's going to be huge um but like dakin and uh or dakin in uh gosh what what is the book um x factor x factor yeah all the stuff going on in there and there's a lot of like traumatic stuff going on and kind of like uh personal stuff going on in that book with with him like are you pulling from those recent runs too like with this and kind of mixing it all together with everything else going on well i mean i i of course like when you take on characters you have to respect the characterization and the things that they've been through uh so these are all of these things are going to inform where the character the decisions they make and how they move forward for sure 
But at the same time, like we want to be welcoming to new readers. So our job is not to necessarily like wrap up or, or belabor uh, stuff from other books, but it all matters. Like, it mm -hmm. all happened. And so everything that happened in those books will inform Dakin, uh, Akihiro, Aurora, and Psylocke, the ones you brought up, including Tempo in her previous run in Marauders as well. But it'll be presented in a way where it's just part of their overall characterization now, much like anything else. Uh, you know, we, we want to be welcoming to new readers, but all these things happened, you know, like the, the bond between Aurora and Akihiro is incredibly strong. Uh, the stuff that the loss that, that Psylocke has faced in Morhelians especially is, is going to inform her sort of quest to finding, you know, where she fits in, how she can find pride in herself because she did get rolled by Sinister pretty bad in that book. Yeah. Um, and she's going to find that. And, and, you know, everything, everything, especially in an office like the Aspen office where we're talking all the time, uh, we, we want to reflect everything that's going on. And that includes folks who brought up like, oh, how can you have two captains on three captains on this team? Really? Like, how are people going to find time to do everything? Uh, that's a care. That's a problem. The characters are going to address as well. And, and, you know, we'll be, we'll be tackling that in the book. With, uh, with the way that the X-Men tiles are written, and I know like there's a lot of like text pages in them that are just like small little snippets that kind of uh, either enlighten things on characters or kind of uh, solidify certain story elements and stuff like that. Was that a bit different for you script-wise where you're like, okay, do I, do I, how many of these do I need to add? Was it hard for you to add full page like letters and stuff like that into it? Or was it just some, a fun way to change a pace in scripts? No, I mean, it's a great opportunity to do more world building and lore, you know? So for me, uh, it's a super fun opportunity. I have no issue doing sort of like in-world artifacts and things like that. Uh, you know, actually it's been part of most launches at Aftershock recently too. So, I mean, to me, it's just an opportunity. How can we, how can we change how we tell a story? How can we use these things to the fullest? Uh, and yeah, it, it's at least for, for me, at least it's not a problem at all. It is, it is an asset. Uh, to be able to get more out there in a in a utilitarian, concise, and exciting fashion. Did you have a like a list of X Men characters? Like, I want them to just show up as like cameos or like certain issues. Did you have like a list that you presented? And they're like, tell me which ones I can't use, so I don't even have to think about it anymore. Just I want all of these because I feel like you would just have a a, a laundry list of just so many X Men characters. You just kind of want to show up randomly throughout the issues. Well, there are, but it's also a laundry list of spoilers. Uh, so it, well, I, like, I don't want no names. Just like, how was that process of making sure you get approval on those? Uh, well, they're very supportive uh, in the X-Men office uh, when it comes to that stuff. But the key for me is like, it's already a big cast. So you have to be, you, and I learned this at DC, uh, you have to learn when to deploy those things mm -hmm. in, in the best way, because this cast is already large and they're my top priority right now. Giving them the love and development is the top priority. And then you sprinkle in the seasoning all around it. Uh, Steve, I got a couple of listener questions that I want to uh, pick your brain with real fast. Uh, one is asked by Andrew. He asks, how did you communicate your ideas on Martian Manhunter to Riley? Were there notes or drawings in your scripts? Uh, and, I, and I assume it's because like the ideas and kind of the, the story of Martian Manhunter was so big and so uh, out there at the time for everybody. Well, Riley, there were not drawings because I wouldn't subject Riley to that. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, my, my art is not something that I, I want him to respect me. So I would never show him that. Um, but we worked a looser style that Riley and I developed together actually, uh, over the course of our collaborations on Night of the Monster Men and Batman Shadow. So pages were pretty descriptive where they needed to be. Uh, I mean, it, it helps that we both have a very similar aesthetic, but I left 
uh, a lot. I left layout and paneling and things like that completely up to him. So we focused a lot on the details of these characters, the emotional beats and everything that had to happen on the page plot wise. But I knew that he was going to want as much freedom as possible from talking to him to tell these things how he wants. Mm -hmm. And so we did develop a new script style um, that really is only used, uh, at least in my case, I really only used with him. Um, but that said, it, it, you know, every comic uh, collaboration is, is, is a learning process and a listening process. So this came about because I'd worked with Riley numerous times and I, and from that I had to, you know, I knew what he wanted, to, uh, where he did want freedom uh, and where he needed info from me. And that's always the job uh, when it comes to working with artists. It's just that the answer is very sometimes. Sometimes folks want an even looser plot Marvel style. Sometimes folk want, folks want a full script. Uh, sometimes folks want to know everything that's in the background. Sometimes they want you to say, go throw in characters. You just love drawing. Um, and knowing that and communicating with your artists is how you get the best work out of them and show them the most respect. So with Riley, it was about developing a script style that gave him the room to nail those things. Uh, but it, that the answer to that and how you would write and work together with someone, like I, much like I, you had talked about doing the capsule events, mm -hmm. the as many answers as there is creative teams, in my opinion. And the second question I have is but, uh, from Rebecca. She asks, what's, what's your perfect X-Men team? Like, and besides the Marauders team, as I said before, I'm pretty sure the Marauders is as close to a perfect Steve Orlando uh, team as you can get. What is another perfect X-Men team for you? Um, well, I don't want to say too much because I, you know, who knows, I might just do it someday. But I will say it would involve Mero, uh, because, I, I mean, I put her on the Dark Riders when I was on... Um, when I was doing that Man Thing event, I love Mero. She was kind of my POV character. You know, some people like Kate Pride, some people like uh, Jubilee, but I guess I'm just more of a sociopath. So more, so Mero was my person when I was younger. Um, it would definitely be her. I love Polaris as well. Very jealous of Jerry, uh, without a doubt. Um, there would have to be someone you wouldn't expect from the mutant world that is technically a mutant. So maybe Whirlwind, who's never really been part of an X-Men team, but is a mutant maybe Shriek, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Typhoid Mary, that would be cool. Um, there would have to be some new characters because that's just, uh, I, I love that moment. Uh, oh, and they would have, Dazzler would have to be on it as well as the final one I'll say, because I am half gay and I love Dazzler, but I loved her even before that. She was my, before I knew that, she was my X-Men arcade cabinet pick. Uh, I was always, always Dazzler or Colossus. Uh, perhaps because I am both part Russian and part gay. Who knows? I, I, I certainly didn't know when I was five, but now it all makes sense. I, I am kicking myself because I almost forgot to ask you about uh, Search for Who. Um, is it pronounced Search for Who or am I mispronouncing that? No, that's correct. It's um, a pun. It's a play on words. <laughs> um, you, it, it, you're two issues into that, at least two issues I've picked up so far. And you and, and John, uh, who's your co-writer on that, John, I, I don't want to mess up his last name. So um, is it a Tusi? I think it's Sway. Oh, Sway. Okay. At least uh, to, to my bad Chinese pronunciation. Hey, uh, yours is probably much closer than mine is because I am awful at pronunciations with names. Um, and then Rubine, as your artist, like it is such a it's such a fun book those just two issues in and it's it's dense with story but the action is is so balanced in it that i just had a blast both issues and i'm mad that i don't have more actually like that's one of the things like when i read that first one i'm like i'm mad at steve right now because i i have to wait a month for this 
Well, thank you. You can be mad at Miss Rona for the delays, uh, but they—they they are the, the the future issues will be coming. Um, no, search for who has been a for who has been a blast. Uh, it's a thing that started almost like a, as you can see, like I text a lot of people weird ideas in the middle of the night, and that's how this started too. Because I had known John for a while. I think he's a great writer. Uh, folks who like search for who should check out his book, Sarah, uh, Sarah and the Wild Stars, Sarah and the Sea of Stars. Um, I, I feel like an, an, an ass for trying to plug his thing, but not being able to pull the full title out of my out of my back pocket. But he, but that is coming out uh, or is out uh, from Vault. And actually, keep an eye on his work at Vault as well, because he's launching a new book in the I believe in the new year. Um, uh, John is a great writer, and I was happy to be able to work with him and have him take what was essentially a piss take to me, from from me in the middle of the night and uh, decide that there really was something here. And that's the origin of Search for Who. We were joking around, like, what if we did a Jewish Chinese action book? Like, and, and it was almost like, haha, like what assholes would do that? And then we looked it up and we realized that there really was this part of, the, of a shared community that neither of us knew. Uh, and so we wanted to find a way to put that discovery, this, uh, that, that path of discovery that we ourselves went through uh, in front of readers. Uh, and of course, no one wants to see just two people sitting at their computer on either side of the country. So we were going to tell it as an action story, a very personal, emotional action story. But that's where that came from. You know, something we discovered about our shared, uh, our two cultures that we didn't really know was there before. And there's a lot of joy in that and fascination. Um, and we wanted to tell that as a book, but of course, give you punches in the face and explosions to, uh, to, to please uh, other parts of your brain. Yeah, as someone who's waiting really patiently for the next season of Warrior, this has been a really nice uh, middle thing to have and to read and hold in my hands. It's it's just, it's so much fun. It's it's maybe, uh, I, I think it's maybe one of your uh, most fun books that you've put out recently. It's just, a, it's a blast every issue okay. so far. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, especially the, the cliffhanger for issue two that I will not spoil for anybody. That is That is a very brilliant cliffhanger. <laughs> Well, I mean, we both love, John and I both love uh, sort of classic action cinema and storytelling. He's also, I have not watched Warrior yet, uh, but I know that he's a big fan and we referenced that. And that and Peaky Blinders were like our two North Stars for how characters would dress and act in this book when we were talking to Rubin. Uh, and and I think it worked out really well. Um, and I, yeah, I, I hope to be able to come back uh, and, and do a sequel. I don't know what it would be called, Search for Two maybe. That would be terrible. Um, but it would be nice to explore the Jewish side of Aaron's family too in time. So I'm, we definitely have ideas uh, if the numbers are there, but if not, listen, it's going to be a wild ride before the end. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming out. Is there anything, any other books out of the, the many books you're writing right now that I missed? Because uh, I, I feel bad that I missed one, but there's just so many of them currently. Um, man, you know, <laughs> uh, there actually are other books, but they're not out yet. That's the thing. So I'd love to be able to talk to them, talk about them. I can certainly tease them. I would say uh, that I, I, you know, my other project at Marvel that's coming out, uh, when folks see it, it's going to make a lot of sense. And I've been loving it. Uh, and that that is going to be out in the spring. So you probably have to wait until like, I don't know, February or March to find out about that. But I am like multiple issues deep on the thing that is just going to be a blast um, oh, and, and I'm working with an artist who I worked with before, but you folks haven't seen it yet, Paul Fry from the Star Wars Life Day special. Um, super excited that they read that I was uh, offered this chance to do a little bit of Star Wars stuff. Um, and, and Paul did amazing, amazing art on this. It's just a story of, 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 of Han and Chewie uh, from back in the day. 
with some with some Trandoshans and uh, you know a sedated sarlacc, a weaponized sedated sarlacc. So very much uh, Steve idea. And Paul and I are doing this next book, and it's going to be fantastic. So there's that. Um, I have this other book I was teasing that will be there that will be in the news sooner. Uh, there's another project I'm doing with one of my one of my best professional friends and 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 idols that is going to be out next year. Man, there's a ton is really what I'm saying. Uh, there's even an aftershock book you folks haven't seen yet. Um, but that said, what's coming out now? Uh, keep an eye on Darkhold for Omega. Uh, like I said, that just went out, and you know Marauders Annual in January, kicking off the new Marauders series soon after that. And it's 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 some of the most fun I've been having in comics. So I'm really excited to be able to share that fun with all of you uh, when it starts hitting the stands. And uh, I beg anyway that's listening to this to go pick up uh, Steve's uh, Man Thing uh, specials. Uh, if I don't know if they're collected at all yet. Or oh yeah, um, no, that's out. There's a Curse yeah. of Man Thing trade. Pick those up so I can get one day hopefully a Man Thing ongoing by Steve because I would really appreciate that. <laughs> and like, just, it's a favor for me. Just buy it. You don't even have to enjoy Man Thing. Just buy it so they get the numbers and they're like, hey Steve, you want to do this ongoing? And that means I'll be happy in the long run. Well, I appreciate the plug, my friend. Um, Steve, where can people kind of keep up with you on, on the internet? Uh, I do Twitter and Instagram professionally. So you can find me there at, at the Steve Orlando uh, in both cases. Uh, and I'm super accessible. So, so you will find me there talking about projects, talking about wrestling, talking about having, having opinions on whatever you like, probably more than you would like me to. Uh, but, but I will be there. And you'll be able to find this show on Twitter, also at YComicsPod. You can email me at YComicsPodcast.gmail.com. If you have a question for a guest, want to be a guest yourself, or have a story about how comics impacted you, you can reach me at all those places. Uh, please tell a friend to leave a review if you enjoyed the show. Logo is done by Andy Manley, who you can see working on The Simpsons, and banners are done by my friend Steven. Theme is Join the Restaurant by David Suzetsi. And remember, everybody, uh, Captain America punched Nazis, and also uh, he got a shot. Uh, it's, it's important. Um, yeah, but thank you.